Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to let you know that there's something in this episode that Dan and I talk about that doesn't happen before the end of the episode that we're hoping happens. Uh, This is just to let you know that not only does that thing happen, but it goes a step further. So after this episode is over, be sure to listen to the very end. It includes some bonus material. Uh, If you are trying to just get to that part, it'll be about 15 minutes um, from the end of this episode. It'll be the beginning of that. So without any further ado, Scott Weinberg of eFilmCritic.com says the jokes come so frequently, you won't even have time to sneer at the lame ones. Michael Grost of Classic Film and Television says, This film is remarkably detailed and imaginative and is clearly, in some sense, a labor of love by its creators. And Pamela Bruce of the Austin Chronicle says, There is more chemistry in the claymation opening and closing credits than in the 80-minute void sandwiched in between. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of brain donors. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. Welcome to another episode of Rune Childhoods. I am Dan Wiener. And I am John Richardson. What's up, everybody? What's up? What's new? <laughs> so, What's doing? So we are talking about brain donors this week. It's April. It's our second episode. Our of second April installation. Fools. These are the fools that we have chosen to highlight. Twenty nineteen, April. Uh, last time we talked about the disorderlies, the fat boys, uh, kind of doing their Three Stooges thing. And this time we are Mm -hmm. talking about a a similar concept taken in a very different direction with some people who you definitely wouldn't expect. Um, Dan. (laughs) But who are perfect. Absolutely. Dan, what was your experience with brain donors? So my first awareness of brain donors, um, let me preface preface it with my history so the uh, brain donors was initially being it was produced under the title lame ducks Mm -hmm. and it was being produced by david and jerry zucker and i was so influenced and influenced by and and like in love with airplane Mm -hmm. the naked gun the kentucky fried movie top secret yeah all of the Zucker Abrams Zucker's films and Hot Shots, I just thought those were so good and so funny. I loved that humor, and I was very interested in seeing what else they they did. And there was uh, Zucker Abrams and Zucker did make a just a straight up comedy called Ruthless People right. in 1987 with Bette Midler and Danny DeVito, Judge Reinhold, mm-hmm. Helen Slater. And so I I had seen that. And then I read that I, at the time that there was this, that there was this movie that was going to be coming out called Lame Ducks. 
and that I, I didn't know much about it, but that they were somehow involved. So it, I don't remember it being in theaters. I at least I it wasn't in any theaters near us. It probably played the closest. It probably played <laughs> near us in suburban New Jersey was probably Manhattan, right. but. At that time, it was released in 1992. I wasn't going into Manhattan to no. go see a movie that's playing in one theater, probably somewhere downtown. Yeah. So it got kind of uh, buried and then found an yeah. afterlife um, once it went to HBO I mean, and uh, in home video. Well, we saw it on home video, and I I remember renting it. As soon as it came out, when I saw it was coming out on home video, I was very excited to see it. And I didn't know what it was. And I don't think I had seen any Marx Brothers movies at that point. But I just, I didn't care. It was the Zucker Brothers were involved. I was going to see this. But here's the thing. And I remember renting it. They weren't. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sorry, go go ahead. You remember renting it? Yeah, no, I remember renting it and watching it over and over again. And I don't I I I don't remember the timing, but nineteen oh no, Barton Fink came out in nineteen ninety one. Mm-hmm. So not long before. And I don't remember which I saw first, but I saw the two very close to each other, and between the two I became such a fan of John Turturro. He's amazing. Who in Brain Donors plays Roland T. Flackfizer? He's sure. the. I just want to, um, before we get into that, oh. I want to just circle back to the Zucker, Abrams Zucker movies. Um, so this was written by Pat Proft, who was a writer on a lot of those movies Hot Shots, Police Academy, The Police Squad. Uh, he wrote Real Genius, which is not Zucker, but. Um, he wrote a lot of those like really awesome yeah. movies from that time. Um, so there was that connection, but not by Zucker Abrams name. And it was directed by Dennis, Dennis Dugan, du- De- Dennis Dugan mm-hmm. who as a director is known for happy Gilmore, pretty much big daddy. Most every Adam Sandler movie, except for Billy Madison, pretty much. No, I mean just three. Just oh, did he do then, like the Grown Ups uh, movies? I think he's in the Grown Ups movies. Oh, I have a brief Grown Ups related tangent. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you if I can tangent off with a personal story, you know what, Dan? Tan- tangent no off. No one's gonna get. But yeah, so I, it is my daughter Chloe's fifth birthday tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And for dinner, she had her dinner tonight, and she wanted to have a little. Uh, she wanted to have a little chocolate ice cream. We've got some frozen y- yogurt, some chocolate frozen yogurt in the freezer. She thinks it's ice cream. We give her some, you know, I give her a, a little bit. And then about 20 minutes later, as I'm trying to like kind of get the bedtime process, more than 20, like 30 minutes later, I'm trying to get the bedtime process going. And she is just bonkers. She wants to like be upside down. She's rolling around. And all of a sudden I just stop. And yet, John, your your hand is raised. Dan, was your daughter chocolate wasted? She was chocolate wasted. <laughs> Chloe was chocolate. And I looked at her. I just said, you are chocolate wasted. Um, 
I did see Grown Ups. That's the only line in that movie that even made me laugh a little bit. Um, it's in the trailer. You don't have to watch the movie to see it. Uh, so I I do want to point out that Dennis Dugan also, uh, he directed Beverly Hills Ninja, which was written Ooh. by Mark Felberg and Mitchell uh Klebnoff, who wrote Disorderlies. The first, Absolutely. The first wow. brain donors Disorderlies connection we're going to talk about. Okay. If you haven't right. listened to our episode on Disorderlies, check it out. Um, there's going to be a lot of chatter about the connections between the two of them, and, and it's going to come up a lot. Just saying. If you've never seen Disorderlies, I guess just listen to the episode. Sure. Yeah. It's shorter than watching Disorderlies and you get the gist. Yeah, but not by much. Not by much. So <laughs> you were going on to say um, who who the main characters are. Uh, just want to give a little bit of context uh, first for um, John Torturo, who plays the main character, Roland T. Flack Pfizer. Uh, so before this, he was in a ton of amazing movies. Oh, yeah. Hannah and Her Sisters, The Color of Money, Do the Right Thing, Mo Better Blues, Miller's Crossing. He was, and then can still continued to work with amazing directors like Spike Lee, uh, the Coen brothers, as we know, uh, from The Big Lebowski, uh, which I and think- And Barton Fink, and Oh Brother, Bart, Where Art sure. Thou? And I mean, yeah, the list goes on. Miller's and Crossing. The fact that he did this movie, I think, is just incredible. And I- I just feel like it must have been so much fun for for him, who's done a lot of these like serious, like dense movies. John Turturro and John Turturro also pops up in quite a few of these Adam Sandler movies. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I would say John, John Turturro's career has really run the gamut. Yeah. from of of genre. So, John Turturro plays the Groucho Marx character, mm-hmm. Roland T. Flack Pfizer who is an attorney, uh, a, a very little literal ambulance chaser. and the, That is his character introduction, yes. is chasing an ambulance. And um, the personal solicitor for a very wealthy old lady. Lillian Oglethorpe. Yeah. Uh, Lillian Oglethorpe, who's played by Nancy Marchand, uh, a.k.a. Livia Soprano, and also mm-hmm. uh, the mayor from The Naked Gun. Yes, um, absolutely. And uh, the Harpo Marx character is Jacques, who's played by uh, Bob Nelson, who was a like prop comic, um, big comedian. Yeah, in, in the eighties. Yes, you may also recognize him from Kindergarten Cop. He has a very. He's the. Uh... Oh, go ahead. Oh no! Say he's um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's like partner's boyfriend or husband or whatever. Chef, fiance, fiance. Sorry, and yeah. um, I feel like the I feel like I'm the only person in the world who like w- watched Kindergarten Cop and was like, "Oh, it's Jacques." I mean, <laughs> only because I saw Kindergarten Cop before I saw Brain Donors, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, <laughs> otherwise, that would have been my reaction. Well, I mean, he hasn't done much else. So no, I mean, I just I remember him having like HBO specials, but yeah, he was right. one of those. He did the prop comic stuff, 
and is thoroughly enjoyable in this movie. Yes, fantastic. And joining them mm-hmm. as as Rocco Melanchek. Yeah, the, the Chico Marx character. Uh, British comedian Mel Smith, mm-hmm. who, um, if if I'm not mistaken, actually, I believe passed yes. not too long ago. And when he passed, I, I was very bummed out because for, to me, he's always been Rocco Melanchek. Uh, you would probably remember him best, the audience, from uh, Princess Bride. Princess Bride, uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation. Mm-hmm. He's the uh, the, he's the hotel, hotel manager, yeah. but also he's he, he's really for for decades been one of the biggest comics in Britain. Yeah, he was partners with Rowan Atkinson early on, um, and then he went on to actually direct um, for for quite a while. Um, really funny guy and great as yeah. Rocco Melanchek. Very he he's the 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 banter between he and Turturro is so talk about we you know we talked about chemistry mm-hmm. we were talking about disorderlies and we were talking about the fat boys we talked about chemistry and I think it's really cool how Bob Nelson Mel Smith and John Turturro have a, have a really solid chemistry in this flick they really do and it's like they shouldn't I don't know. You wouldn't on paper. It's not a. This is not like a a dream team. No, but you see them in action, and it works. I mean, their, their timing is, and it's not like this is a. It's it is the performances. I mean, yes, there's editing. It's film, but the performances are the you know the banter is is fast. It's funny, and you can follow it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love brain donors. And also, let's just call out for a second how brilliant their names are. Roland T. Flackfizer, Rocco Melanchek, and unfortunately he doesn't have a last name, but Jacques. It, they're just Jacques. so wonderful. There and other so other other wonderful character names in this. And this one always had me confused because brain donors came out not that long before Jurassic Park. Alan Grant. And Sam Neill's character in Jurassic Park is Alan Grant, yeah. who is also kind of the, I guess, the male romantic lead in in brain donors. Yeah. Not uh, played by Sam Neill, played by Spike no. something or other. Uh, Spike Alexander. Yeah, who hasn't really done much else. Um, no. So... But you... Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I was going to say... We talked about Lillian Oglethorpe, a fantastic character name. What a <laughs> when great... you say Lillian, you must also say Laszlo, my two favorite L's. Yes, Laszlo. Uh, he is the family, like the Oglethorpe family attorney, who is just this stuck-up douche. Um, he wants control. He wants control of everything, and, and needless to say, he has no patience for Flack Pfizer's nonsense. Rightfully so, but also he's kind of an ass. Um then we have kind of. Then we have the great Roberto Volare, the, the great Volare, uh, the great Volare, uh, the ballet dancer extraordinaire. I'm trying so hard not to quote the movie a lot because I, if people haven't seen it, I don't want to just give away all the wonderful lines. It's, but, oh, it's the so thing hard. is like this movie is like a joke a second, and yeah. and even the things that aren't jokes are funny and they stick with you 
a lot of the sight gags. Yeah. Um, a so lot of the images. Just to yeah. um, back up a little bit. So the great Valare is played by George de la Pena. And he is currently professor, BFA director, and BFA advisor for the University of Iowa's dance department. And oh. in his um, bio on his website, it says, and I quote, he worked with distinguished artists such as Alan Bates, Blake Edwards, Marcia Norman, Richard Levinson, Stan Donan, John Turturro, Kathy Bates, Elizabeth McGovern, and most recently, Patrick Swayze. And I like that he's- This is not a recent bio. No. Um, well, I mean, the I guess maybe he hasn't done film work in quite a while, but to say, to like, he, he put John Turturro in there, didn't mention in what capacity he worked with him. But nor did he mention any other capacities in which he worked with. This is true. So other. it's, I, I am just kind of, it makes me happy to see that, uh, and it's, it's not like he was in too many other movies. He did one movie where he played a great ballet dancer. That's kind of his thing. Um, I wonder if anyone has ever gone to that school to like, to say that I studied with the great Valari. I mean, I feel, I'm pretty sure like, we're the only ones who would probably do that. Though it's like it's got a cult following. Yeah, it for sure does. I definitely turned some people onto yeah. it. Yeah, and um, one piece of trivia that I think was on IMDb: uh, allegedly, Alec Baldwin was turned down for the role of Roland T. Flackfizer. <laughs> the 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 grammar and the trivia piece is a little because I saw the same thing. By the way, the trivia there's so disorderlies last week. I was lamenting that there were only two trivia items. I was hoping with brain donors it would be a different story, mm-hmm. and it's there are three trivia <laughs> items, and it says Alec Baldwin was turned the role down oh, of yeah. Roland T. Flackvisor. So I'm thinking they offered it to him. Oh, and he turned it down, which. I, I mean, I thank you. Yeah, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, Alec Baldwin is great in a in a lot of things. I just I, I have trouble. I have trouble seeing him as Roland T. Flack. Would have been a good, and still would be a good Laszlo. Let's put a pin in that one. Oh, <laughs> hmm. yeah. Uh, so Consider the plot of the movie is that um, Lillian Oglethorpe. Uh, has recently been uh has become a widow. Her husband has passed away and they are about to read the will, but first she has to call upon her personal solicitor, Roland Flackfizer. Um so she sends out her uh I guess groundskeeper Jacques to go find him. And sure enough, Jacques finds him at the scene of a car accident very reminiscent <laughs> to the scene in Disorderlies when uh, they hit somebody's car whose license plate says, I sue, and the guy gets out and puts a neck brace on. That's right. And, so, and in Brain Donors, uh, Roland Flackfizer goes up to a car accident, uh, puts a neck brace around a kid, tells him that he could sue his parents. Um, and is <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of amazing. So... Jacques finds him. They are getting into a cab to go back to the Oglethorpe's because Jacques' car is busted. And the cab driver is Rocco Melanchek, who uh, realizes that uh, Flack Pfizer was his attorney when he was getting a divorce. But what, like, he dropped him as a client when 
Flack Pfizer started sleeping with his soon-to-be ex-wife. Anyway, somehow yes. they uh, resolved all of their differences, and Rocco started working for Roland, and they all are now a team. They uh, <laughs> He basically hires him so he won't beat the shit out of him. Pretty much. And you know what? It worked. Because Which is good business. They became fast friends. So that they did. At the will uh, reading, it is revealed that uh, the late, I forget, whatever Oglethorpe, I forget his first name. George? Sure. Uh, which, by the way, when John Turturro uh, enters the room and he looks up at the painting, the famous painting, The Blue Boy, and, and acknowledges it as if it is the late Mr. Oglethorpe, uh, the Blue Boy is also featured in a movie called The Disorderlies. It is a painting that opens up to a secret passageway in the mansion that they go through. Another parallel. Just saying. So, you know, we we love to, you know, I know we, we love to kind of, and we do it a bit tongue in cheek, but we talk about these cinematic universes. <laughs> I did not... I did not imagine until you started really drawing these comparisons and making these connections, I had not considered that there could be a comedy teams of early cinema tribute cinematic universe. <laughs> but yet, and John, are. you are bringing and it to my are. attention. And here I am <laughs> seeing this happening in front of my very eyes. Dan, it's what I do. It's what I do. I, I, in <laughs> case you're wondering, John does not have like a lot of strings with newspaper articles and like stills from like pictures of the blue boy, fr- like <laughs> in different movies, like circled. And- Dan, if you would have seen my browser tabs this week, you might not be, th- you know, might not be saying this. Um, what's also interesting is that the blue boy has been featured in a lot of movies, um, no websites cite it being in brain donors or disorderlies. <gasps> I know. I have to what? send some emails. I'll be right back. <laughs> it's the Gainsborough uh, Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the blue um, boy. Trying to pull up the website that that describes that, but it is. Uh, I don't know if it's in it or if it's referenced in Ghostbusters too. When Janos is talking about, it's like diverting their attention over to uh, to Vigo. Um, but according to the Art and Popular Culture Encyclopedia, um, which is artandpopularculture.com, let's see, it lists the Blue Boy as being in The Naked Gun, uh, the Laurel and Hardy short Wrong Again. Uh, it's in the 1989 Batman, Ghostbusters 2. Janos ex- exclaims to Dana Barrett with a heavy accent, that's not Gainsborough's Blue Boy there. He is Vigo. So, Yeah. Uh, it is in the movie Richie Rich with Macaulay Culkin. It is in Die Another Day. Uh, Bond manages to slice through the painting with a sword whilst sparring. Um, let's oh, see. Oh, with Madonna. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, let's see. So it's in The Naked Gun. Yeah. So there's another, there's a connection to brain donors. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's uh, all over the place. I mean, yeah. Except it's, yeah. it's not mentioned that it's in brain donors or disorderlies, which Why is are they a wrong that I need to write. I know, right? So 
okay they <laughs> they are reading the the will and it states that uh the late Oglethorpe uh wishes for a ballet troupe to be uh started and um the director of this ballet troupe will be given a salary of $500,000 a year. And of course, Roland jumps at the opportunity. And then sure enough, he and Laszlo are kind of competing for the job of director. They kind of split off Jacques. Uh, well, for, they, they say that they're going to get the great Valare. Whoever gets the great Valare is going to be the director or whatever. And, Flack Pfizer fails to get the great Valare because he offends him so much. And instead, uh, Jacques mentions that he has these friends, um, Alan Grant and what's her name? Lisa LeBaron. Lisa. That's right. Uh, they are these great dancers. She's for the car. Yes, that's right. Lisa LeBaron. So uh, there is this event at the Oglethorpe uh, mansion and Roland organizes this uh, dance performance by them which is very like hip and modern and everybody's very impressed by it and people are dancing around Jacques is juggling uh handkerchiefs yeah yeah handkerchiefs um Rocco is getting into a little tiff with the dog and I don't know there's a whole (laughs) thing going on so um but then Laszlo shows up with who else but the great Valare the great Valare um, yeah, so the Great Valari is part of the group. Um, essentially, at this point, I'm sorry, what's up? Well, and he also, so on the spot, chooses as his lead ballerina, oh, yeah. Lisa LeBaron. Sure. Who right. is reluctant to take it because she and Alan have this agreement that they're, but he's like, no, you have to do this. This is great for both of us. It's so that they can afford to get married. Yeah, which, and Valari just obviously wants to sleep with her. He's a big-time womanizer anyway. Yeah, he um, So time goes on. Uh, Flack Pfizer is like the artistic director or something. I don't know. Well, they split it, don't They're, they? That's right. They kind of like split it. Um, <laughs> and then the night of the... Like Except Flack Pfizer has the t-shirts that say Flack Pfizer is ballet. Oh, yes, he does. Uh, which you can find if you Google it. People have made those Flack Pfizer is ballet shirts, which is so good. It's um, amazing. So it's opening night and uh, Valare comes on to Lisa. She doesn't uh, take him up on his advances. She gets fired this whole thing goes down and Flack Pfizer and Jacques and Rocco decide to sabotage the ballet, uh, getting the great Valare, like completely discrediting him and getting him out of there and making way for um, Alan and Lisa to do their thing. And uh, meanwhile, humiliating Laszlo. Uh, there's this whole thing where he gets them in jail before this. I don't know. It's it's hilarity ensues. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, it, I mean, it's really like not a dull moment as far as I'm concerned. And you know what? As as little as this movie is known, and as much as some people pan it, it's actually real. It's very, very enjoyable. 
um it's hard to not like watch it while it's on like you, you just it's yeah it's just a lot of fun yeah Totoro is and, and so quotable. It's it's th- th- that's the thing about brain donors, and it's also it's it's short. It's like under an hour and a half. Um, mm-hmm. And by the way, John, as I'm as I'm looking at some facts about brain donors, I see that it was released on April seventeenth, nineteen ninety two, and which, if you're listening to this episode, I believe on on the the day it it drops, then it would be April sixteenth. That's right. So don't listen listen to it on Wednesday, the 17th, in honor of the 27th that's, anniversary of Brain Donors. That's very true. Wow. That's crazy. And like April Fools. April I think, Fools. I think it came in like 176th that year because it wasn't really released. Well, how many theaters? Released. I think it was in like eight theaters. Something like that. So um yeah, I mean I would this love movie, to go. I wish I could find like a theater doing doing like a midnight showing. Well, that's a question. Okay, so let's take the New Beverly Cinema for example. It's in Los Angeles. They do double features. Yeah. What would you pair this with? Would you pair it with Disorderlies? No. Would that be no. too hard for people to watch? Would you pair it with a Marx Brothers movie? Uh, you know what? I I might. I might yeah. pair it with a night at the opera. I might, I might, but I would put brain donors first. Yes. Brain donors is the opening act. Yeah. yeah. But I think, so I think it would be cool to like watch brain donors and then watch a night at the opera and see kind of what the differences are. See yeah. how Torturo takes Groucho Marx's character and, and makes it his own. Mm hmm. I think that would be, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I would, yeah, I'd be more interested in that than a brain donor. Brain donors, disorderlies, it would just kind of be eh, a little much. Yeah, 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 it would be exhausting. But yeah, brain donors night at the opera. Yeah, I agree. Uh, And Dan, if you were forced at gunpoint to do something with this movie's future, what would you do? I, a theatrical re-release. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, because uh, honestly, I, I don't know that that would be, that's not a realistic endeavor, but you know what, John? A musical. Yes. A stage adaptation. Yes, 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 yes. And I I'll be it. truth. I will be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna speak some truth right now. Like I have not. <clears throat> I I haven't really had had much time to think about brain donors in the context of this podcast. I I've seen it so many times. It's easy for me to talk about it. But just just to take a moment and think about it and answer that question. Because it could have a life of its own. Because so many people haven't heard of it. Mm-hmm. That if you turn it into a a musical, and maybe you you even throw in more acknowledgement of the Marx Brothers, like you you maybe even you call it a, a tribute to the Marx Brothers, right? And or or not that might be going a little far, but in that way, 
because I think doing anything else with it as far as a movie goes, it's anyone who knows it is going to be comparing it to to the movie and comparing whoever's playing Roland T. Flackfizer to John Turturro, unless you somehow got John Turturro. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, no, a musical would be so would be a lot of fun. I think you, you, audience, I think fans like cult fans. It's it's like with Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You couldn't, you can't remake that. Mm-hmm. That's it's Monty Python. But if you when you turn it into a musical, it's perfectly acceptable to have Hank Azaria playing. Uh, I forget which parts he played, but Hank Azaria playing a role that is traditionally known as being played by one of the members of Monty Python. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you made a movie, and I and I actually they are adapting Spam a lot the musical into a movie. So, but I think after you go through that, it's kind of like laundering money. It's like after you launder the movie, you can cast new actors in it and it's, it's okay. After you pass it through Broadway, you filter it through Broadway. Next thing you know, we're going to have legally blonde, legally blonde, the musical, we Beetlejuice, the musical. Yeah. I think we've talked about it. Just the, the Cineplex of yesterday is, is Broadway of today. (laughs) So, I love that idea. I think it's really fun. Um, think of all the fantastic and funny songs you could you could put together with that. Uh, Dan, are we going to write a musical? <laughs> you, you, no, John. Sorry, I have to be an English teacher right now. That question that that should actually be a statement. And you want to switch the R and the we. We are going to write a musical. But you know, I've also I've told you about my my thoughts on a My Blue Heaven musical, right? So, oh, that's true. That's true. Oh, we'll talk about that movie later. Um, I mean, we could write musicals. Yes. Oh, very Absolutely. interesting. So, I toyed around with the idea of like remakes and reboots, and nothing was working. Finding three people to fill those roles, and also it's like. You're not going to find a lot of prop comics lately. That's not really so much of a thing anymore. Or if you are, do you really want to work with those people? Um, I I just don't know. I, I actually was researching mimes uh, to see if there were anybody, if there was anybody who could fill that role um, in, in that physical comedy way. Uh, the one thought that I did have and if there was to be some sort of reboot, um, it's it's actually uh, a friend of mine. His name is Nathan Barnett. He is very popular on YouTube. He's kind of got this rubber body thing going on. Um, great physical comedian. Um, he's been in a lot of like small roles in TV shows and um, commercials and stuff like that. But uh, he would be the only person I could think of. Um, I did learn that there is such a thing as a mime laureate from the like world mime organization. Um, I watched a video about her yesterday. It was difficult (laughs) to watch. I wonder, I wonder now, now I'm just wondering about like, what's the gender ratio in the mime world? Because you, the laureate's a woman. 
yeah, that's no, that's what's making me think, you know, what's the ratio of female mimes to male mimes? Um, now I'm just, I don't know why I'm just thinking about the diversity in the mime population. And do they all paint their faces white? Is that cool anymore? I don't, I don't think, know. I, th- I mean, I think that some do. What a, I'm no mime expert. Let's move on from that. So, yeah. but the only thought that I did have, and I, I didn't really think about casting for this, but I wouldn't mind seeing a prequel about like how Roland got involved with the Oglethorpes. That's never brought up. I don't know if I would touch or upon... Jacques. Or Jacques. I don't think I would touch upon um, the Roland Rocco history I don't think there's really much to to go with there, but like that also then turns Roland into an extremely unlikely character if that becomes a main plot point. Yeah, so I feel like exploring his backstory with the Oglethorpe family would be pretty interesting. Well, doesn't she? I I forget exactly what it is, but Lillian. It's after she like gets into a car accident. Oh, is that what it was? I think that's what it is. I'd like, love she, she to explore that. It. I'd love to explore that more and just to like see how that relationship flourishes. Um, yeah. You know, the other scenario where I could see brain donors being resurrected would be in, in like as a series. Yeah, I guess. I could see um, a, like a comedy series where there, are, I, I, you could say the same for disorderlies actually. Sure. Yeah. In the, um, sorry, in the prequel, though, I would definitely want to have, like, present-day John Turturro as Roland, you know, reminiscing. Oh, reminiscing. Just, just because you have to have him in there. I, re- yeah. Yeah, I can't, I'm trying to think of who, I mean, I don't know, how did, I, I'd be curious to hear how they arrived at John Turturro because he just seems so perfect. I can't imagine anybody else other than Groucho Marx. <laughs> right. I don't so know. I'm so I'm so, because I just can't think it's, it's so impossible for me to think of any other actor in that role. Like even as young Roland T. Flackvisor. Right. I know. The misadventures of Roland T. Flackvisor. Yeah. I think I just don't know enough about, young actors to be able to say who would be able to do that. Yeah. I don't, I guess you gotta, is that like, where, where are they pumping out the, the kid act? Like the, where's, is that Disney? Is it from like, Disney the, or no, no, Netflix. No, I think, I feel like the, the, it's gotta be like, I think the, the Netflix series and Netflix, like original movies for like teens and tweens. Right. I think that's kind of where we're getting the interesting uh, the influx of young young stars yeah i mean i don't know if any of the like stranger things kids would necessarily be roland flack pfizer material um perhaps a bit too young yeah that's the thing um yeah i don't i don't know for sure what about what about adam driver i was thinking about adam driver he he doesn't talk fast enough if he did talk fast enough, I don't think you'd be able to also, understand him. Yeah. Also, I feel like he's already older than like Turturro probably was, or maybe he's like the same age. I guess. I don't know. 
I don't know, John Turturro has always kind of, up until recently, seemed like the same age perpetually to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he had a pretty long run. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel like it's, it's time for me to call it and say I'm not going to be getting an email that I've been hoping to get while we've been recording. But hope is not lost. So I sent an email to the great Valare himself, George de la Pena. I, here is what I said to him. Uh, I hope I am not out of line in emailing you. Brain donors reference, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but I am the host of a podcast, such da 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 blah, 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 blah. Uh, talking about how we celebrate these movies. Um, yes. And we're brought to a recorded episode of Brain Donors. Uh, and, I, and I said, uh, we absolutely love your portrayal of Roberto Valare. Watching you, it is easy to forget that you're an actor playing a role. I, You know, he's so good at playing that sleazy dancer, you know, famous uh, ballet dancer. I couldn't uh, agree more. And I said, I was wondering if you could share any stories from your time working on the film that we can read on the show. Thank you for your time. Right before we started recording, um, we just recorded back-to-back episodes because Dan's about to go out of town. Um, Aloha. To Hawaii. Uh, So right before that, I got an email from George De La Pena. That reads, Dear John, thank you for your lovely note. I am in transit. We'll answer you ASAP, George. That's very exciting, so, John. Here's what's going to happen. This episode doesn't come out for like two weeks. Should I get a response from him? I will insert it at the end of this. I will re- record something to tack onto the end of the episode. Um, I will also see if I can uh, get him on the phone to record a little chat to include. Um, nice. Yes. I will do my best. I make no guarantees. This is something I would love to make happen. The great Valari you got a response. Himself. You got a response. You got an email from you got a great Valari email. Oh my god, Dan. I'm sorry I could not help it. It's late and you we're at the tail it. end of podcast number two. No, at this point of the night, anything could come out of my mouth and, and by the I'd way have to be responsible um, for it. The the line uh, by saying, I hope this isn't out of line, uh, refers to the line in uh, Brain Donors when um, when Flack Pfizer barges into Valari's dressing room from his bathroom and <laughs> Valari says, you're out of line. And he says, and you're out of toilet you're paper. You're out of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that one was for us and nobody else. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. So, oh, I really want to go watch this movie now. Yeah. So, uh, because we are recording this right after the other one, we don't have any additional emails or, um, reboot news. Um, I suppose we can mention, and by the time people listen to this, it's already going to be two weeks old news, but you know, um, I don't know if you watched the teaser for the new Joker movie, but that came out the day that we recorded this. And um, I don't know where that fault, like what category that's in. Um, it's kind of a prequel, but it's also not because it's not a 
prequel to a movie, but it's an origin story from a character. I don't know. It's kind of. I a, don't know if it aligns with any of the. I don't um, think it does. Any of the comic backstory, if it's an original story, it, it looks interesting. I I don't know I, enough going, but I think Joaquin Phoenix is is always interesting. Yeah, big fan. So yeah, I'm excited about that. And then John, I guess I can uh, share what our next episode. Please, our final April Fools. Movie. Our final April Fools, which I guess for our, the first week of April Fools, the April Fools is that we didn't do April it Fools. Was us. We were the April Fools. We were the fools. We were but the now, fools the entire time. Uh, but our our third in in our trilogy of April Fools podcasts will be centered around the nineteen eighty six classic. I'm deeming a classic. Three amigos. Three Amigos that was um, edited by the fantastic Malcolm Campbell, who also edited Brain Donors. This is this is a real cinematic unit. You have uncovered, this is like the lost Damn. city of Atlantis, the secret cinematic universe of like old school comedy, slapstick comedy. Trios. Slapstick. So the, one of the things that I remember very clearly about brain donors uh, is the opening credit sequence, which is all in claymation. It, I believe it was Will Vinton studios that did it, which did the, it, the California raisins. Um, if not, it oh, was yeah. a great parody or not parody, but knockoff. Or, yeah. Actually, I'm going to look really? at it real quickly, but the thing that I remember uh, most is that credit sequence and edited by Malcolm Campbell. I don't know why, but it has always stuck in my head. Um, and for a long time, I've been wondering if I could ever get a brain donors tattoo. Um, I have several tattoos that uh, we've never really talked about your tattoos. Right. So uh, I guess the one that we didn't talk about that uh oh he did do the he did do the closing title sequences for brain donors. So that's it. So uh the one that we didn't talk about was my last starfighter tattoo. Um I have uh one that it's the uh Sankara stones from Temple of Doom. Um I've got some other ones, but those are the two that are my movie related ones. Irrelevant I, to this podcast. Sure. Unless you got the Fraser tattoo. Hey, it's a spin-off. And I've That's heard true. that they're rebooting it. There have been talks. So or I guess um, reviving it, not rebooting it. Revive. Uh yeah, reviving. So uh, the last time I watched Brain Donors, I kind of watched it with the eye of like, if I was to get a tattoo for this movie that was like so big in my childhood, what could I possibly get? And one of the things that always stuck out was that Will Vinton clay animation that says edited by Malcolm Campbell. I thought, wouldn't that be kind of funny to get like on my back somewhere <laughs> edited by Malcolm Campbell? I, it's, too, I, I, it's too bad you've never had any like reconstructive surgery or anything. That would be a great place to put it. <laughs> but the thing is like... Especially if Malcolm Campbell was your surgeon. That Well, that would be odd i don't know if his his life took well maybe not the same one but you know a malcolm campbell so malcolm campbell dr malcolm campbell malcolm campbell also edited um wayne's world wayne's world 2 uh hot shots part uh coming to america 
He so, is a master of comedic editing. Oh yeah. Um police squad. And editing is I mean editing's it's like incredibly important to all yeah. genres but comedy. Ace Ventura so when nature so. calls superstar keeping the faith uh Shanghai Nights. <laughs> oh, he did Hot Rod, which was like the first Lonely Island movie. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about Lonely Island in the last episode. So Disorderlies, yeah. The Lonely Island in Disorderlies. Yeah. So um, Three Amigos, I'm very excited to talk about it. I feel like we are increasing the legitimacy of these movies as we go through the month. Um, I think help, helping, helping the legacy, though Three Amigos has a pretty solid legacy. I think we're kind of going sure. in ascending order. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Very excited to talk about it. Likewise. Likewise, John. Well, to you all, I bid you a good journey. Yeah. And if everybody has, um, if anybody has anything they want to add, feel free to email us ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. If you are uh, Spike, whatever, who played Alan Grant, email us. Let us know your experience. Um, if you uh we'd love to hear from you yeah if if bob nelson uh who played jacques is listening i'd love to hear from you you are fantastic if john turturro is listening (laughs) you you do whatever you want to do mr turturro you've earned the right much respect to you mr turturro uh to you mr turturro and to all of our listeners good journey good journey Roland T. Flag Pfizer, managing director of the Oglethorpe Flag Pfizer Ballet Company. You wouldn't happen to have a plunger on you, would you? What are you doing here? To sign you for my ballet company. I know nothing of your ballet. Then we have a lot in common. I'm the managing director, and I don't either. Okay, buddy, I have very exciting news. I have Rafael Pena on Skype right now. He played Roberto, the great Valare. George, thank you so much for getting on Skype with me right now. You are in, uh, are you in Iowa? I am indeed. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing there? You're teaching at, is it mm-hmm. the University of Iowa? Correct, yes. Um, it, it's been uh, an extraordinary time for me because I've also been collaborating a lot with people in the Writers' Workshop, also people in um, the International Writing Program. And I also have a lot of interest in the, the Neuroscience and Psych Department. So it, it's an amazing university, and it's been really cool to be here. Uh, have you always had those uh, non-ballet or entertainment interests? Oh, yes, for a very long time, um, especially writing. I've always been very mm-hmm. interested in writing. And that's why, um, as I mentioned to you, when I read Pat Proft's um, script for brain donors, actually lame ducks. Lame ducks, right? Exactly. Uh, I just, I laughed so hard. I just, I just said yes right away. <laughs> Can you tell me the, about how that came to you? Um, at the time I was in Hollywood and uh, doing a lot of work and um, the, uh, the agents all knew my, my former life as a ballet dancer. And so um, they figured that it would be a good fit because uh, they were skewering the ballet world beautifully. Sure. How did you feel about that world that you were such a big part of being skewered? 
Well, I, what I really admired in George Kaufman as a writer uh, was when he worked with the Marx Brothers. And they, they, if you think about it, they were introducing these very uncomfortable times regarding uh, male privilege and um, interaction with females that was uncomfortable and, if you will, a bit predatory. Um, mm -hmm. And that's being kind. And uh, and that was back then, you know. And then the Marx Brothers, how they how they um, managed to undo that in a very funny and interesting way. That was that was incredibly cool back then. And Pat really caught that spirit as well. Of course, uh, Kaufman did it with opera. Mm -hmm. uh, and Pat, uh, I assume Pat just decided that it might, would be more physically um, interesting in terms of action. And, uh, and it, it was an important topic. Um, and so I, I really appreciated that very much. Sure. And how familiar were you with uh, Pat Proft's work and the work of the Zucker brothers? Oh my gosh! I, I I thought they were hilarious and funny, and and the the way they would push the envelope uh, uncomfortably was so brilliant, and I loved it. So you knew what you were getting yourself into when you signed on. Well, somewhat, yes. Um, I, I I just admired their work tremendously, and knew that they everything they did had really strong, solid underpinnings. So, mm -hmm. and. So I, I am 36. I grew up with this movie. It was such a big thing for me and my uh, my brothers, especially my brother Dan, who I do this podcast with. Uh, he's a few years older, older than I am. And we were such huge. Uh, I mean, a Zucker, Abram Zucker movie was always playing in our house pretty much. Right. And uh, Brain Donors was a huge one. Um, and it's been so wonderful to revisit it uh, every few years or so. And something that I really noticed the last time that I watched it is how your performance, you are, you know, one of the, the, the straight men in this, and you are committing so hard to this movie and you are so truly talented uh, at your craft in dance. And I, I just had to think, like, I really want to know, what does this person think about what's going on around him? And uh, that, that script also, you mentioned getting Pat Prof's script. How closely to that script did you all follow? Uh, did you follow the lines perfectly? Were the, were there some, was there some improv improvisation on set? Um, how much did, did you have to play with uh, Pat's work? Uh I, Pat's work is just so beautifully crafted that mm -hmm. I didn't feel the need. I need uh, to improvise in particular. I, I'm not sure if John and the guys uh, were, you know, a little looser, giving a little mm -hmm. more freedom in a kind of Terry Gilliam style of let's see what happens kind of a thing. Because uh, I wasn't around for a lot of those scenes. Um, but I could tell that John was exploring that a little bit more. Um, and John Turturro, that is. Sure. Um, uh, but for me, it was already so well-crafted. And, and, and you're exactly right. Identifying the very serious um, aspect of it made it even funnier. So the straighter I played it, the, you know, the more it, you could send it up. 
Yeah, and I mean the scenes that you did have with uh, with John and Mel and Bob. I'm I mean most. I'd say most famously, I, I don't, to me, most famously, certainly the climactic ballet scene at the very end, uh, certainly that would have to be very tight just due to the nature of how it is performed. Um, and right you had, down, you were right down to the farting. <laughs> oh my God. I watched that scene again uh, yesterday and I was just thinking, oh my God, good, good for George for being so game <laughs> to do this. It's, uh, I and I don't know that much about the ballet world. Clearly, you do. And in your um, initial emails to me, you had mentioned your inspiration for uh, how you played the character. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? So, my great um, role model and mentor, and ultimately friend, uh, was Rudolf Nureyev, and um, he Rudolf was just such an amazing, amazing person. He was like a rock star in ballet. And, um, and he could be outrageous and outlandish and um, pretty willful and, um, and very, very, very sensual. But everything was big. And, uh, and his appetites, his uh, ability, his command of the stage, um, he was so much fun to be with. He was had such a great sense of humor. And he was always sending things up about things he did. So he he was he I can I, I what have, what's the right word? I dedicated this uh, to him. And he was very sick at the time and I wrote him. He was in Paris and I wrote him and I said, I just want you to know. I Im imitated you <laughs> in this movie, and uh, and it's all with the greatest love and affection for you. Did he have an opportunity to see it? I don't think so. No, no he was very that's, ill. That's too bad. Uh, and for anybody listening, I would recommend uh, searching YouTube for clips of him. Uh, I believe there's also a documentary about him oh, out there. Yes. Uh, and there's and him on Sesame Street with Miss Piggy. Oh my God, that's something that definitely needs to be revisited. Uh, but as soon as you made that connection, I watched, I looked up all these videos and I watched it and I was like, oh my God, it's the great <laughs> Valare. <laughs> uh, it, it's, and it's really incredible and such a special thing that you were able to channel him, even if uh, for a lot of aspects of it, it's maybe not as flattering, but it's nice to know that he had a, a sense of humor about uh, who he was and, and the work that he was doing. Um, he would have been the first to laugh his butt off. He, he really, he, he could see the absurdity in so many things, you know, even as he celebrated them. Oh. I, I, I love that. That makes me really happy to hear. Uh, so one, one question that actually I wanted to ask you, but my, my brother Dan, uh, my co-host, uh, texted me yesterday we're both dying to know. How often are you asked about this movie? Oh man, you know it's so. Um, it's been a long time. I, I remember when I was on faculty at Connecticut College. Um, suddenly, a group of college students came up to me and said, "You're the great Valare. We are a secret club." <laughs> 
cracked me up. That's amazing. And they just, it was fun and funny. And, but that was a long time ago. Sure. Uh, I absolutely love your performance in Brain Donors. I have one more question for you. Uh, um, the nature of this podcast that we do is kind of talking about the life beyond these movies and in certain cases, movie franchises. And I know that um, there was a lot of drama going on with the studio and um, the Zuckers. And it, it, unfortunately, this movie got buried upon its release, yes. uh, which is so, so unfortunate. I feel like a lot more people would have, I don't, I don't know about and appreciated it if it the respect that it, it deserved. Um, but there wasn't any talk ever of, um, I guess, following up with the characters, was there? Uh, you know, unfortunately, no. I remember talking to Pat and I said, when are you doing the next one? Because, you know, this is such a great honor to the Marx Brothers and how incredible they were. Because they just, they were really unpacking really significant subjects in very, very interesting ways. They, they were really embracing diversity way before anybody was even talking about that stuff. It, it was kind of beautiful. And it, it had a lot of heart, their work, you know? Watching Harpo, I mean, I'm sure you guys have been listening to the latest stuff that Harpo was collaborating with Salvador Dali on a movie, right? I mean, Not this surprising. Is like totally amazing stuff. They were amazing, those guys. Um, so yeah, you know, I thought for sure they're just going to keep going and make the next iteration, so on and so forth, you know, tackle sports or tackle the next thing. Um, but because of the migration that the Zuckers did over to Sony, uh, that created a lot of bad blood and, uh, and, and it, and it was unfortunate, um, that they kind of just dropped the ball there. Um, and, and honestly, I don't know the full insight on it other than Paramount was pissed. Yeah, so maybe just some bad timing. Um, yeah. Everything could have been a little bit different. Uh, if they were ever to maybe remake Brain Donors, who would you cast as the great Valare? Oh, wow. Who is the new Valare? Oh, what a great question. Um, the... Um... You know, I'd have to kind of in, investigate because I'm not really embedded in the dance world like I used to be. So I don't know who has a great sense of humor and can also, um, you know, deliver on that stuff. Uh, I, again, one of the best people to have done it would have been Rudolph himself. He sure. would have been hilarious. Um, Barishnikov could do it and he'd be very funny but you know the, in the new generation um, I again unfortunately just not as in touch with the that scene as you once were exactly that, right. yeah, yeah. Um, and then just to kind of close things out do you, do you have any stories anything that you can recall uh, from the set that maybe um, kind of give you a little uh, little smile when you think about all these years later yeah you know, it was just such a great ensemble, and everybody was just enjoying the work so much. And uh, I, I really love John Turturro. He, he was terrific to work with and to be around. Um, and Nancy Marchand is one of the great gifts to 
theater and acting in the world. Nancy was incredible. Uh, she can't say enough great things about that lady. Yeah, so, so that the cast so that was, was amazing. Um, that was uh, Lillian Oglethorpe, and yeah. uh, also went on to go into The Sopranos and just. Really fantastic. Well, that's really that makes me so happy to know that you think about this movie uh, so fondly all these years later. And um, I, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but thank you so much for chatting with me. And uh, you have a wonderful day. And if you ever have any other thoughts about anything else, just reach out. Yeah, I'm going to be listening to your podcast now. Oh, fantastic. So, oh, thank, thank you. you so much. All right. Thanks a lot, George. Bye bye. Nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody knows my sorrow. What's it all about, Alfie? Is it just for the moment we live? What's it all about? When you sort it out, Alfie. A wee moe, a wee In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight.